here with you guys and uh, super fired up. Amen. I've missed you, and uh, it's been five weeks. For those of you who are newer here or maybe visiting in today, and uh, you're like, what is going on? And uh, just so you know, I've been out for the last five weeks, had a, a surgery to remove a tumor, a brain tumor, and uh, kind of walking through that process. And praise God, he's been healing along the way fairly quickly there. And uh, it's been quite the journey uh, as we've walked through these past few weeks, and you might be, first of all, there's going to be a chair up here now for a little bit. I'm going to ease my way back into doing the, the full three services and all that, and uh, we'll be taking it one step at a time, all right? So a uh, little bit of adjust over the normal, but uh, we'll get used to that over time, right? Right? All right, join with me on that, and uh, great to be here with you, though. Hey, man, what kind of journey have you been on? I just thought I'd give you a little bit of an update over the last five weeks of what's been going on, and... Um, We'll just start with the hospital. You know, so there is a tumor that I had uh, that was pressing against the pituitary, so they have to like go in through the nose and up and back. And I'm not going to say much because actually the last time I got more detailed about that, we had several people pass out. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We had several people pass out the last go around. So there's absolutely no blood talk today. And all of God's people said, <laughs> all right, so we're not talking about that. But, uh, you know, went into the hospital and they were going after trying to get uh, some of the uh, details of what was going on. Hospitals are an unusual place. Super practical, right? We're there to get this thing fixed. Super practical. Modesty is a word that does not exist in the hospital, <laughs> right? It's not about modesty anymore, and it's all about let's get this thing done, and uh, you'd be amazed how fast, like socially, we're taught modesty our whole lives, and then you walk in a hospital. It takes a little bit to get used to, and then all of a sudden you're like, never mind. And uh, it's all done now. Modesty's gone. And uh, we're just working this thing through. And, and uh, you know, it's been a process uh, of walking through those first several days that was uh, truly a, um, a humbling experience and uh, an open experience for God to do a work. Uh, so just a couple of thoughts, humbling memories first. We should have a couple picks. Let's show the first slide up here. And uh, humbling moments. So... So the one on the right, they actually put these uh, things on you to be able to, when they do an MRI, then they can kind of track. It sort of gives them a little roadmap of where they're at. That's a good thing when you're going in, right? So uh, you're wearing those things around, and they're wheeling you through hospital hallways and all the way up. So my wife's like, let me take a photo, right? <laughs> so anyway, I thought I'd just share that. And then obviously they dress you up in garb and get you ready to go, to go down the hallway. And my daughter thought she'd photobomb that shot on the way out. But, uh, you know, this is me going in on, on the beginning day and uh, just going in to get that surgery. Uh, I will just say um, we have some great surgeons, we have some great nurses, and a phenomenal the work they do. Uh, this is not a small surgery, and uh, it's not a huge surgery, but it's not a small surgery. And uh, I'm just telling you that first day was an epic battle of dizziness and pain that was not fun to go through. And um, never is. Uh, I know it, you know, when you're going for your third time around, this is the third time through on this surgery, for those of you who didn't know that, that means you begin to know every little thing you're going to be going through. So now dread factor kicks in, you know that? Like you have to actually wrestle with which is worse, not knowing or knowing, you know what I mean? And uh, the dread factor of coming into this and, and uh, that first day was again an epic battle, mostly of dizziness. Uh, the pain management, they do a good job with, but even in getting the pain down, you get a lot of dizzy that goes with it. And that uh, first 12 hours was just 
the world would not stop spinning. And uh, they were doing a number of different things to get that under control and appreciate medications. Uh, God has some miracle work that he does with our doctors knowing chemicals and all the rest. So we were able to get some of that calmed down by that evening and I was able to get into an intermediate care unit at that point. And uh, kind of brings me to the second word. I would just say, um, killer meds. That's a great thing to be thankful for. Unbelievable medications, right? And uh, as you're going through what was a heavy-duty brain surgery, and they're giving you meds, like all through that first day, we're fighting the dizziness, fighting the pain, trying to figure some things out. Couldn't quite get there. There were some moments that were really unstable overnight, not a fun time. Got to that morning, and the nurse thought, well, why don't we try this one uh, med? And she brought it in and gave it to me, and it's just like within 30, 40 minutes, everything just calmed down. Pain gone, dizziness gone. And I was like a different person. I'm like chatting. We had people coming in the room. I was able to communicate and talk and, and uh, just a very different moment walking through that with the uh, killer medications. You have to love narcotics at some level, right? <laughs> at some level. Doctor prescribed, but you got to love what those things do, man. And uh, phenomenal. Ended up being on those for the next uh, couple of weeks, just kind of easing down off of those to manage the pain. Uh, this is actually the next pick here is... Uh, that's me on narcotics, can you tell? <laughs> uh, this was us checking out, and we're like, dang, you look really good. Now you look back at it, and you're like, man, was I high, right? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> but uh, so coming off with the narcotics and coming home with those and being able to take and just kind of keep some of that in check and, uh, and then weaning off of that over the course of time. Over about a week and a half there, got through that, maybe two weeks, got off of that. So... Praise God for that, for the medications and the doctors that know how to use them. Uh, do get off of those quickly, right? These things can definitely cause some damage. Little side note there. And uh, man, I'm telling you, I felt it even just a little bit in that two weeks just coming off. So it's a big deal. Make sure you get off of those as fast as possible and, and all of that. So I'm on nothing right now or at most Tylenol uh, just to make sure things are managed. But we're in a great spot there. And uh, last one, uh, sweet, sweet support. Man, you guys have just been phenomenal with the prayer and the prayer coverage, some of the notes that were sent or emails or texts that were sent, some of you stopping by with food and whatever. Man, you guys have just been so supportive as a church body. We love you. We love being a part of this place. And uh, truly, um, you made this journey much more sweet along the way. So uh, thank you very much and uh, so appreciate you guys speaking on behalf of my family, especially me and my wife. Uh, for all that you've done for us. We love you guys. Thank you so much, all right? Praise God for you. And uh, just a journey, man. It's been a journey of some struggles. It's been a journey of pain. It's been a high journey of dizziness. The reality is right now, I still have no taste, right? As you go the way they go, that ends up taking away your taste. So uh, you start eating for texture. I've said that before, right? You start eating for texture. People are like, oh, so you must really be eating healthy now. No. No, not really. I started trying to shift into that this past week, trying to eat a little more healthy. But I'm telling you, you start eating for words like uh, smooth, uh, firm, soft, right? juicy. Notice how there's no description of what it tastes like, right? It's just how it feels to your mouth. There was one day, actually, it was Memorial Day. We're like, that's it. Let's get out of here. I said, let's go to a place that's got unique textures. So we went to Red Lobster. We're really not huge Red Lobster goers. 
but lobster and shrimp have a very different texture than a lot of other things, you know? So it was just, let's get a different texture going, and we did a little of that. So that's where we are right now. It can take anywhere from uh, three months to life for that to come back, but it does feel like it's coming back little by little. So God willing, there will be some taste back over time. And uh, the dizziness is still hanging in there. That's just comes and goes. That's a little bit of why we got a chair with a back on it, right? So uh, just being a little cautious as we move along. But praise God for where we're at and the progress we've been making. God's been doing a huge thing. Man, I've been on a journey. We've been on a journey. And maybe you're going through a journey personally even right now with things you're facing. So we're jumping into a sermon series here. It's called uh, A Mighty Fortress. A Mighty Fortress. And we're going to be walking through psalms, several different psalms uh, during the month of June that all have the term mighty fortress in it. It speaks about God and his greatness, that we can trust in him, that we can lean on him, that he is our hope, all right? A mighty fortress. And so today we're looking at a very present help, Psalm chapter 46, verses 1 through 3. We're going to be talking very carefully here through these three verses of what it means to lean and trust in him, all right? We're going to walk through the rest of Psalm 46 next week, but the first three verses here as we were doing communion as well, all right? So uh, how in the world do I go after facing the struggle in my life? How do I face the fear or the trauma or the pain or whatever it might be and keep God at the center? uh, That's what we're looking at today. Point number one, uh, lean on him. You are not alone no matter what the struggle. Lean on him. You are not alone, okay? We start out here in Psalm chapter 46, verse 1. He says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So let's just break this down as we walk through it. He starts out, God And just so you know, there's several different terms that are used in Hebrew for the name God. This is not, everybody say not, right? This is not the personal name of God, Yahweh. That would end up being L-O-R-D, capital L, L, capital O, capital R, capital D. If you see all caps in the Old Testament, that's when the personal name of God was used, Yahweh. That's not what you see here. You see the word God, and they did that for a reason. They try to leave Yahweh off to always have one English representation, all capped Lord, okay? And uh, this is a different word. This is a word, Elohim. Elohim, it comes from Elohe, it means power. And Elohim, it's the plural for power. It's like all powers. This is speaking to the greatness and the transcendence and the authority and the power of God Almighty. That's who he's talking about. My powerful one. Right? That's who he's saying. Elohim, God, my powerful one, is our refuge and strength. Notice it says, is our. For all of those who are trusting and leaning on God Almighty. If you are saved, if you are trusting and believing in Jesus Christ. So after the cross, looking back into this passage, we claim this for those who are believers and trusting in God, his adopted in. Man, we are part of his family. And if this is our hope, our hope. He is our almighty power and he is who we can trust in. 
God is our, everybody say our, right? as we trust and believe in him, he is our hope, he is our refuge and strength, refuge and strength. And, uh, this word refuge, it literally means a shelter, a safety, an escape from threats. Let that settle. As you are facing what you're facing, as you're struggling with what you're struggling with, God is your safety. He is where you run to. He is who you hide in. He is who protects and watches over you. God is our refuge. Lord, please be my shelter in the midst of the struggle. And all of God's people said, right, God is our refuge and strength. He empowers you to be able to accomplish. He pours into you and gives you the strength and the hope, the grace and the glory to be able to face what he's calling you through. God is your strength, empowering you, but more than just giving you power, God is also working in the circumstances around you. He is changing and moving and shaping and doing. God is moving in this world as your strength. God is our refuge and strength. Elohim is our shelter, our empowerment, our provider. He is right there with us. And what is it you're facing? Know this, God with you. Lean on him with all you've got. He says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. A very present. Uh, how much? Very. very. Don't miss that. This word very specifically in the Hebrew means greatly, muchly, hugely, massively. They specifically put this word in. It's not, yeah, he's a help. Like, it's not that. It's he is a massive help in trouble. He is right there in the midst. My God has this in hand and I will trust in him. Man, I'm telling you in the midst of your storm, in the midst of that fear, in the midst of what grips you, know this, your God with you, muchly, massively, with all the hope he can muster and bring into your life, God changing your world. And all of God's people said, a very present help. Present help. Not from a distance. Right here with you. You are not alone. Right here with you. Moving in ways you cannot imagine. God has it in hand. A very present help in trouble. And uh, just so you know, when Psalm 46 was written, it was like, and there's going to be trouble. Right? We all get that, right? Like trouble is something we need to know and we need to expect and it comes in time. And God uses that. He shapes our lives. He grows us. Romans chapter 8, he conforms us to the image of Christ. It's not that everything we taste is good, but it's that as we go through it, God does amazing good things with it, right? 
big difference. It's not that every experience we have is good, but the end result God makes unbelievably rocking your worship good. God doing work in you, a very present help in trouble. We're all going to face it. What's yours? And make sure you know it. Make sure you realize it. Make sure you know it's even gripping you. Be aware of it. God doing something in your world. Lean on him. Trust in him. The almighty refuge and strength, your hope. And uh, What does it mean that he helps us? Like, how does God help us? Uh, what does that mean? And I just wrote this down. Here's five things, and there are so many more, but here's at least five ways that God helps us in the midst of our struggles, how God provides. Number one, uh, his spirit praying when we are wordless. His spirit praying when we don't have words. When the fear, when the trauma, when the devastation, when the hurt has sucked all that you have from you and you can't even muster a word, it says Romans 8, 26, the Holy Spirit banging forth, groaning on your behalf, God the Holy Spirit talking to God the Father in perfect communion as they are talking and celebrating and communicating what is going to be done in you and all that is needed with you. You are protected. Holy Spirit praying for you and groaning for you on your behalf when you are wordless. God has you in your lowest moments. He is right there with you. That's number one, Spirit praying for you. Number two, uh, in his whisper, he calms the soul. He calms the soul. Please hear me, it is with the whisper. And we can drown it out with the scream of this world and the worries we may bring in and the other things we try to trump and put up first, but the whisper of God Almighty doing a work in your soul that just brings peace, a calm in the midst of a storm. That's God at work in your life. And if you've ever been in that moment where you're like, I have no idea why I'm so calm right now, right? That's God at work in you. And, uh, Spirit praying for you and a calm coming to your soul as he whispers in. Number three, uh, through the care of friends. Man, you've got to know this. When people are stopping by, when someone is stopping you at work or at home or wherever and saying, man, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? I'd love to provide for you or whatever that may be. It's amazing the work that God does through friends around us. He does this thing where he calls us together corporately. And if you're like, I haven't seen God at all, I've had friends around, but I haven't had God around, you're mistaken. God moving in friends and bringing them around you to provide for you in physical, tangible ways at times where we may even be missing the very presence of God in our life in a quiet way, he brings the friends to bear. And that's a huge uh, voice from God Almighty. And, uh, the spirit, the whisper, friends care. Uh, number four, man, maybe you're going through something health-related and doctor's wisdom. Man, praise God for the guys who know what they know. And, and the doctor's wisdom, being able to bear forth something in your life that can bring you along a journey. And God's providing in the midst of that. As doctors are able to restore a tragedy that's occurring 
and take care of something and bring health and healing. God providing through the friends, yes, and God providing through the wisdom around you of those who have taken the time to become experts in an area. Praise God for that. And, uh, and then the last one. Man, if the friends and the doctors, if the whisper of the Holy Spirit in him crying out hasn't been doing it, God himself just leaning in and touching with a healing work to your soul, to your body, to your emotions, to whatever's going on. Maybe it's God healing the circumstances. Whatever it is, God himself healing, changing, transforming either you or it around you. God doing a work. Man, all of that is the sovereign hand of God at work in your life. Hear me, man. He is a very present help in trouble. And all of God's people said, that's our hope. And, uh, you know, this uh, journey I was telling you I've been through, I'm just going to be honest with you here, okay? There was one thing I was dreading most of all in this entire thing. Having been through it two times before, one thing I was dreading most of all. After you have the surgery, needless to say, you don't feel that well, right? So after you've had the surgery, uh, late that night, between midnight and 2 a.m., they need to get an MRI to see how it went, okay? So now when you lay back down, the world spins, your head pounds, it kills, and then you have to lay down and be still in an MRI tube. Have you ever been in an MRI tube, right? Like, hey, here's an idea. When your head is killing, let's put you in a machine that goes, like, that's a brilliant move, right? And so they need the information. It's so helpful. But man, I'm telling you, it is not fun, in the least, not fun. And uh, I've dreaded it. I've spoken of it with my family. I talked about it repeatedly. That's the one thing I wanted to get past with all I had. And... Um, told Dr. Kloppenstein that. He was the one who was kind of helping watch over all of this. So he was aware of it. I didn't know uh, that there was anything you could really do other than I just had to tough it out. As the nurse came in to get me around 1230, I said, so uh, her name was Madison. Uh, Madison, um, this trip is terrible. Like the laying down is horrible, the dizziness in the hallway, if we could just go at a pace, the freezing of the room, it kills. Like this whole thing is so hard. Is there anything we can do? And she said, oh yeah, I've already talked to Dr. Klaffenstein. I've already got some meds. I'm going to put a little bit in the IV right now. It's just going to bring the edge off. It'll help you to maybe not remember emotionally so much. You'll still be there with us, but you won't maybe remember emotionally as much. And um, can I just say, uh, shout out to all you nurses. Hear me, man. A nurse who takes care of you gently and carefully in the midst of the trauma is so, so helpful. Love every one of you nurses. And uh, so appreciate you, seriously. Amen. And uh, Madison just did uh, just a phenomenal job caring for me, got that in. And uh, I said, the dizziness, and she propped me up, like, hey, how about if we do this as we take the trip down? And then she talked to the guy who was the orderly guy, you know, he's like big bruiser dude who's able to get me on another bed and all that stuff, and, and he's ready to go like 48 miles an hour, you know? He's like, let's do this, right? <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, whoa, man, slow down. Like, she's getting in front of him and slowing him down. It was very, 
uh, appreciated and helpful along the way. And we got down there and he uh, got me over onto the MRI table and uh, um, praise God, uh, it was a quick journey and uh, we got through it. And uh, I honestly don't have a memory emotionally of that trauma and uh, excited for that. And uh, an answer to prayer, albeit may sound like a small one in the midst of it, it was the number one thing. When I found out in January I had to do this surgery, I'm like, oh man, that stupid MRI again. And uh, praise God we got through that and I got back and my wife was sound asleep. <laughs> I love her very much. The drugs helped her very much. She's like, oh, he's taken care of. Good night. And uh, so she kicked back in the bedroom, and it was probably an hour or more. I don't maybe even two hours. It was a long time, so of course she was going to fall asleep. But appreciate her uh, being with that whole time as well and uh, just caring so much. Um, I'm just telling you, in the midst of your experiences of trauma, whatever it is you may dread the most, please hear me. Right there with you. A very present help. And sometimes it's through the wisdom and movement of others. Sometimes it's through the friendship and care of others. And sometimes it's through the calm that he just brings to the moment as he lets you know he's got it. And sometimes it's all of that packaged together. God has it in hand. And uh, simple question, what's your trouble? What's the thing you're facing that grips you? What's the fear that you tend to explore and it starts to get you. What is it that you need to be handing to him? Really think it through. Really get that answer. And just take the moment to say, God, I'm giving this to you. It's right where you are. Lean on him. And all of God's people said, number two. Do not fear. Fix your eyes on the problem solver, not the problem. Do not fear. Fix your eyes on the problem solver, not the problem. He starts out in verse 2 here. He says, therefore, and when we see the therefore, we say, right, what's the therefore, therefore? It's a connecting word, and truly, it's looking back and saying, because of this, now I look forward and I change my actions and behaviors. Looking back, because you are my refuge, because you are my strength, because you are my very present help in trouble, because of that, here's what I'm going to be doing. Therefore, we will not fear. We will not fear. Let's put it to the positive. I will trust. That's probably the positive way of saying that. I will trust you. I will count on you, God. I will lean on you. I will hope in you. I believe that you know all things. I believe you can do all things. And I believe you care beyond measure. Just so you know, that's like the trust triangle. I believe you know. I believe you can do. And I believe that you care and you love in with a perfect love. That is when we start trusting. And when we're not trusting, one or more of those is breaking down in our view of God. And a knowing and his ability to do and his caring for you in the midst. How are you doing it? Trusting God in the midst of the struggle. He says, make sure that you do not 
fear. And, uh, you know, with the room spinning all night long, and I remember looking over at John after I got back from the MRI, and I said, man, I got through it. Praise God, it's done. Like, that piece is done. But we still had the dizziness going, and it was like, you know how you grip the edges of something just to keep it to stop, and you, like, fix on one spot? And it was like that all night. And I was like this is going to be an amazingly long four weeks if we can't get this stable. You know, you start having the what if kind of talk in your mind and you're thinking through all that. And that's when the magic narcotic was brought in at eight o'clock that got everything stabilized and got kind of working in that med in that moment. And, and I truly had that deep moment where I had to say, God, I'm willing to walk through this, even this right now. Whatever it is, we're with you, we're whatever. I'm trusting you and, and I'm going to praise you whatever goes on. No matter what, I'm just going to tell you right now, my largest fear, I'm telling you a lot this morning that's very transparent, so be careful with me, right? But my largest fear is dizziness, and I have no idea why, but it is my largest fear. It's like a sense of losing the ability to manage yourself, the control, whatever it is. That is a huge fear. And uh, so dealing with that, facing that, and handing that over to my God, trusting in him and watching him do a work through all of it. We will not... Fear. Put it in other words, I will trust. Everybody just say, I will trust. Say it louder, say it bigger. So right after it, he gives three examples, three extremes of what's going on. And he's like, no matter what. So imagine the extreme of the extremes. He's like, let's talk first. Maybe you're on dry, flat ground. And uh, though the earth gives way. Maybe you're finding your stability in the stability of the earth around you and its flatness and its stableness and all of a sudden earthquake and it's rumbling and it's tearing open and though the earth gives way, one extreme, I'm finding my safety on flat ground and it's breaking down. Or, or, or the next extreme, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Maybe you're like up on a mountain on the side of it. You're like, this thing is anchored solid. And all of a sudden, it starts to be landslide. The whole thing's coming apart. It's losing its grip. And you can feel your footing going. Maybe the ground is no longer stable. Maybe the mountains are no longer stable. And then he even says at the end, though its waters roar in foam, like maybe you're out at sea and you're looking for that stable whatever, and all of a sudden the waters are starting to roar in foam. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's when you're, have you ever been walking alongside the ocean? And all of a sudden as the storm is coming in, the waves are getting bigger, and as they hit the edge, the foam is splashing up. And he's like, maybe you're starting to see that come. And all of a sudden, the sea is no longer stable. It's foaming up with all it's got. And it says, though the mountain tremble at its swelling, the, what, the swelling up of the water is pouring in and it's actually moving mountains. He's like, just so you know, if your flat ground earth is going unstable, if your mountain that seems so rock solid is going unstable, if the sea is going unstable, he's now listed all the things you could be on in the physical world where you're trying to find stability. He's like, just so you know, do not fear, right? And all too often, we tend to anchor ourselves into things we can trust around us instead of God. And uh, what a mistake. I just wrote a few words here. Deadliest words to the human soul 
ever said. Yeah, but what if? Deadliest words ever said. It takes you on a journey of fear and worry. Yeah, but what if? And uh, there's another phrase I wrote. Fear. Let's define it. Fear dreams of future problems without God's grace and presence. That's fear. Fear dreams of future problems without God's grace and presence. And it's like, what if I have to go through this alone? And that's not what it's about. He is a very present help in trouble. You are not alone. Fear, it dreams of future problems without God's grace and presence. Man, don't be without God's grace as you face the struggle you're looking at. Make sure you know this. God is with you and he loves you with all he's got. He is right there with you. Our job is not just to say the negative, we will not fear, but instead to say the positive. I will trust. Everybody just say it with me. I will trust. Now say it bigger, say it louder. Awesome. Now get ready because you're going to say those phrases and I'm going to go back and read these extremes. And after the end of each extreme, just tell me what you're going to do. What are you going to do? Get ready. So, therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, though I face my struggle that gives me fear unimaginable, that is leaning on your God. Lord God, I'm looking to you and I'm longing for you to do a work in my life. I'm handing this over. Are you ready to have God make an impact in the middle of your trouble? Are you ready for him to be a very present help? And all of God's people said,